All right. Bokatov. Uh, today's daf is Samach Zayin, 67. We pick up at the very bottom of Samach Vav Amudzet. Um, a little bit before the Mishnah, we are dealing with the previous Mishnah, sending off the Seir, the goat. Um, we, um, and we are talking, we had a whole discussion about what happens if they get sick, that you can do it on Shabbat, ride it on the shoulders. Fascinating digression about Rabbi Eliezer and giving sort of, uh, indirect answers to things, not re- refusing to answer a question of a woman. Um, and now we pick up from four lines down in the wide lines. The Kevesh Yasulo, they made a ramp for the guy who was going to take out the goat. Rama Rama Barbachan, Amr Lobav Loim, how you when it says that the, because of the Babylonians who would basically attack the guy and pull his hair and say, get out of here, take our sins away. So Rama Barbachan said, Lobav Loim, how you, they weren't really Babylonians. El Alexandrian Hayu, they were Alexandrian Jews, um, which tends to be pretty uh, assimilated Jews, but interesting. Maybe, you know, they came up for the special uh, 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 Yom Kippur uh, upper, uh, service. Right. When we told the Sonimit above Lame, but because the, not presumably not the Alexandrian Jews, presumably the rabbis, um, or the Kohanim, whatever, <coughs> but assume the rabbis, the authors of the Mishnah, hated the Babylonians. Right. It doesn't tell us that. They would call, you know, any people that they didn't like, maybe particularly people that they thought were acting barbaric, although it's quite ironic, because, you know, Alexandrian were very assimilated, and therefore they were probably the most cultured, acculturated, but cultured, you know, so I'm not exactly sure what type of associations they had with the idea of Bavel. You know, even when you call somebody a name, um, normally it's because the name has with it certain specific types of associations, not just we don't like them. So you do wonder what type of associations, um, you know, the, uh, the um, what do you call it, the, um, uh, the uh, uh, you know, the people in Israel, the Tanayim, associated with Bavloim, that they thought was appropriate to associate with the Alexandrians. Anyway... Warfare between Talmud, Babli, and Shami, maybe? Yeah, maybe. It's interesting. You know, you wonder whether it means Bavloin. Does it literally mean like the Amorayim that were in Bavloin? Does people? it mean the common people? You know, and you do get these comments, right? You know, you know, you know, right. uh, you know, Hani Bavloi, keep right. shy. We just had recently stupid Babylonians. They dwell in a dark land. They say dark words. Maybe. Although Bavloin is not the same as Diaspora. Diaspora was Medina Tayam, you know. But some sense, look, it could have been ironic also. It could have been that these Alexandrians think that they're so refined and so cultured, you know, and you're Dafka attaching a name that maybe would be associated with the, with the, the most ignorant, like ignorant or uncultured. I don't really know. Anyway, they called them Babylonians. Um, okay. Tiny was on the bright side. You don't mean Lopa Floyd, Mayo, Zandi, Mayo. They weren't Babylonians. They were Alexandrians. Um, Amala Rabiosi, so Rabiosi said to him, Tanuch dat kashi naktes dati. You're, you know, your, your, your mind should be set at ease because you set my mind at ease. And uh, Rashi says it's because he himself was descendant from Babylonians. Um, Matosis points out that there's another Gemara that's the exact reverse. Reb Yossi says that certain people were not Babylonians, they were Alexandrians. And Reb Yehuda said to him, you, your mind should be set at ease, you set my mind at ease. So there's a little question about that. Of course, the funny thing is, is that, okay, fine, so we said that these people, these particular offenders on Yom Kippur, not offenders, but people doing this offensive thing, were not Babylonians. But on the other hand, we are saying that you use Babylonians as a pejorative. So it's making more of a general statement about Babylonians and negative associations with them. Okay, told to say, so they said to take the sins, get out and go. Tana, we talked about Brisa, Mashahi Sapiradain, why are you letting her, leaving, like, postponing, uh, um, to um, um, uh, carrying this uh, with this with this goat 
Zechobe Daras again, and the sins of the generation are so great. Get this goat out of here. Get all the get all of our sins out of here. Okay, so it's it's a, what? Sapir is a, is a goat. It's a seer, yeah. Okay, so it's interesting. It has it in Aramaic, presumably actually some form of a direct quote. They make it sound like the Babylonians, really. Yeah, well, because <laughs> there's a good point, because they're speaking Aramaic. If they're Alexandrians, they would be speaking Greek, and that's a very yeah. good point. Maybe that's a kasha on the previous approach. All right, next Mishnah. Yes. Is there any Yushalmi who deals with this? Uh, about this, and whatever. Yeah. I haven't checked. There is a Yushalmi on Yoma. I haven't checked what they say on this Mishnah. Okay. Yushalayim, from the uh, honored people of Jerusalem, So although they said that in theory anybody could 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 go with the goat, they uh, you know they made a they made a practice to only use kohanim. Nevertheless, they had a an, an honor position was that the, you know the important people of of Yerushalayim would accompany the guy with the goat. Okay, so he would they would not be the guy themselves, but they'd accompany him, and they would accompany him until the first sukkah, until the first hut. There were ten huts. Um, this is not, you know, I'll go, Sukkot is just five days away, but this is not meant in the ritual sense. There were ten huts from Yerushalayim until the cliff. Um, Tishim Reis, 90 Reis, uh, which is some measure, um, for, uh, would be from Yerushalayim to the cliff. Um, we'll tell how, we'll say that in a minute. Shevo Mechsa Seven and a half wrists per meal. A meal is 2,000 amot. It's Tchum Shabbat. It is roughly a kilometer. It's interesting why here it uses the 90 wrists since it always is comfortable to use the, the meal. Basically, there were 12 meal, 12 kilometers, until the cliff. So 12 kilometers is about what? Is about seven miles? Something like that. Seven miles until the cliff. Okay, so somebody can go get out a map and look where what is there seven miles from Har Habayat? What you know? What was the most likely cliff? But they probably okay, now the same time, right? yeah, presumably they use the same place. Yeah. Now, if it were if there were if there were ten Sukkot, look at that, what nice map. Okay, if there were ten Sukkot, right? So here is your Har Habayat. Okay, you get one, two, three. Blah, 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 whatever. Four months, I mean, keep on going that way, okay? Right? Eight, nine, ten. Okay? If there's 12 meals, right? We just said 90 is 12 meals, okay? So there's a meal per each, one meal, one kilometer, one kilometer per each sukkah. There's a little sukkah. Okay? One kilometer to get each sukkah. So you'd have to get 10 kilometers. And then from here to the, is two meals from the last one to get off and then you're and then you're at the cliff. Okay, here's the goat. So basically you go twelve kilometers, twelve meals, right? And between each at every at every what meal there would be a, a there would be a sukkah. Now a meal sukkah is would be a rest station, but the purpose of it would be is that a meal if you remember two thousand amot is Tchum Shabbat. Okay, how far you can walk outside the city limits. So, the people that would accompany him would go, right, the people from Yerushalayim would accompany him to the first sukkah. He, you know, they would go with him, and then they'd stop, right? So they would go to their Chum Shabbat. Then, you'd get another guy to accompany him, right, to the second So he was being there all the time. He would go the whole twelve, but there would be people at each sukkah to accompany him the next two thousand amot, each one of them would not go out of their Tchum Shabbat. 
he would obviously be given license to do what he needed to do, they would be limited to their Shkum Shabbat. So he would have people accompany him till the very end. Until here, the guy, the last guy that accompanied him would not go all the way with him to the cliff, would stand here, right, would stand here at the end of one meal, and he would go, and he would go with the go with the final meal by himself. And he how, uh, yeah, did he have? I, I, it doesn't sound. I, you never hear that he had like a leash, you know. But he. That's a good point. I don't know. Is, does a goat walk with people? If you go like, you know, you people see people jogging with their dogs. Their dogs, their their, their dogs jog alongside them, right? Uh, so maybe he had a leash. Maybe, but you know, it's interesting. If he had a leash, then when it was discussing the whole issue about carrying, it would have mentioned the leash. So it doesn't sound like it. Maybe he's just holding on to. Uh, maybe it's got. It doesn't say that he has a. That he has a. What do you call it? A collar. I don't know. What does he do, do, do on each sukkah? He doesn't. No, he doesn't do anything. Okay. Yes. So all these people each one of these sukkot. What's the rules along the way? That means they're staying there all Yeah, they stay there. Yes. Okay, so they stay there. Those people. Okay, those people stayed there for the whole. So those people stayed in the Sukkot, Michael just asked, those people stayed in the Sukkot the entire Yom Kippur. So by the way, it doesn't say that the honored people in Yerushalayim were at every Sukkot. The honored people in Yerushalayim went to the first Sukkot and then went back home. <laughs> if you're a Hashem person, you're going back home for the rest of Yom Kippur and you're going to be in the base of Mitzvah or wherever you're going to be. But other people got the job of being in the Sukkot for the entire Yom Kippur and just being able to be there to walk him for that part of the journey. Okay, so let's take a look. Uh, so it says like this. Um, uh, okay. By every sukkah that he would pass, Omingo, they would say to him, Look, if you're tired, if you're weary, there's water, there's food, you can go ahead and have it. Okay, now, was he really allowed to or not? We'll see in the... In the we won't see in the moment, but we'll discuss in the moment. It's not clear. It sounds like if they're making it available, he could have it. Anyway, they would accompany him from one sukkah to the next, as I described. Um, with the exception of... The last one would not go the whole two meal, because that would be anyway outside of Tum Shabbat. He would go one meal, and then he'd stand a meal away, and the guy did the last, did the last meal by himself to go to the cliff. He'd stand at a distance, the last guy to accompany him and see what he, and see what he was doing. What would he do when he got to the cliff? He would divide the red string. Half of it he would tie on a rock nearby. And the two, and the, half, the other half he would tie between the two no horns of the goat. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a maybe was maybe was maybe was a loop knot a Basically, there seems that he, he was allowed to do whatever he needed to do. Now, of course, it's one thing to say you needed to, to do the actual avoda. This whole red thing is only is, is there's nowhere in the psukim that it says this. You know, presumably this is all rabbinic. So it is interesting. It's exactly correct. Like, were we allowed in certain malachas? You know, to, in order for him to do the red string. I mean, look, you can tie a knot without it being a permanent knot, without it being an expert, without it being an expert knot. Yes, yeah, true, you could cut, but again, if you don't cut an exact, but cutting the fabric, that's true. You're cutting the fabric. Well, string is a fabric. The koreas the machate. Might be there's just machate. It's not really a fabric. It's a string. Anyway, what? Well, there's the food and water, but that at least we'll discuss whether he would actually partake of it. But that at least was necessary for him to do the job, as opposed to the string that was only something added on later that wasn't an actual part of the avoda. Jewish, didn't we say that 
No, we did. We said we are not Cohen. We did not say not do it. Okay. Um, so we did okay. a long walk in the midbar. Well, that's why very he, hot day without eating food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. but that's drinking. Right. 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 It'll take several hours. Right. Okay. Um, well, it depends how fast you run or whatever. But right. I mean, w- you know, seven miles on a walking would be about what, like three hours, hours, two and a half hours. Okay. The dochvol akorav, and he would push it backwards. It's not exactly clear. Presumably, the goat backwards, not him. So he pushed the goat off of the cliff. The goat would be go- falling backwards off the cliff, which somehow seems even like more. Draft, uh, you know, I don't know, dramatic or something. Maybe you couldn't push the goat forward right. and go see they, what's happening, so you have to push the goat backwards. The mountain goat, they, they're very. They, yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't, why was it? Why can we assume it's a mountain goat? Probably was a domesticated goat from somebody's flock. Goats are. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know how we would manage to do it. and the goat would tumble down and fall down the cliff. And before it even got halfway down the mountain, presumably it was a sheer cliff with like a lot of outcrops and rocks and, 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 and so on. So before it even hit the bottom, it would shatter into, into its limbs. So then this guy who pushed it off, the Ishiti, would come and sit un, in the last sukkah. He'd walk back to Tchumim. Rashi points out that even though normally, even when we give somebody license to leave Tchum Shabbat, like for the sake of a Pikuach Nefesh or a midwife, once, you know, once they're done with their job, we don't let them, you know, we, we limit them to 2,000 amot. This guy is going back, you know, 4,000 amot. But nevertheless, you know, we made special concessions. Yeah, yeah. and Rashi also says he's very tired, so, you know, he's obviously weak and tired, and and staying staying out in the desert is dangerous, dangerous because of the elements, dangerous because of who walks around in the desert. So him we let go back. It's not like he's in a city that he can stay there. Okay, Ashitech Shach until it gets dark. When does, during this process, he, it lead to the impurity of the clothes because the Torah says that with guy who does it gets has to clean his clothes, meaning he becomes tamei. So when is this? From the time he leaves the walls of Yerushalayim, only after he gets pushed off. Now again, you might have wanted to connect that to when is it considered like your Yotze disavoda, but you might remember that the, you know, according to the Gemara, could be your Yotze from the time you do the Goral, could be your Yotze from the time you do the Vidoy, right? I mean, you know, it says that after the Vidoy, nothing, it's not done with Vidoy Lavan, you know, it's somebody else, it's not the Kohen, it's somebody else doing it. So, presumably, this isn't needed to be Yotze, although we do find out, and we will find out, and we'll see in a minute in the Gemara, that the whole string turning white didn't happen just because you did the vidway. It happened at the end of this process. So there could be a different question in terms of what do I need in order to fulfill the ritual obligations of doing the avoda in the base of Mishdas and Yom Kippur? You know, did you do the avoda check because I did the vidway? But, you know, in terms of the efficacy of effecting the kapara, or at least doing it in a fully way, you know, maybe that requires the actual pushing off of the cliff. I think that's an interesting thing to think about. You know, normally we sort of assume that what halachically consists of doing what is required, well, if you've done what is required, then you've achieved the efficacy of the avodah. 
you know, here I think it is interesting. The string doesn't turn white until it goes over the cliff. But we said you probably bidyeved after the vidue, maybe even if nothing happens, it's okay. Which is, again, is very, very, you know, shocking for us. Is it possible there's a difference between when you're yotze and when actually it achieves the kapara? Okay, so just something to think about. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Tana Rabbana. Okay, we turn in Brayta. So that's the assumption of our Mishnah. Ten Sukkot and twelve meal. Sukkot No, it was only ten meal, and there was only, and there was nine Sukkot. So according to him, the he could have been accompanied from the guy from the last Sukkot, the last all, the full way to the edge of the cliff, right? You understand? If there are nine points. Then the last guy from point nine till the end of the te- till the tenth meal could accompany him the whole way. Um, Right, our Mishnah is Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Chamesh Sukkot, Basar Milin Hayu. Okay, there were five Sukkot and ten meal. Now, how could that be? The Kulan, Ayyidei Eruv. And all of them was by an Eruv. Because why? It's, it's since these guys are just going in one direction, why are you limiting them to one meal? Right? If the guy is sitting in this Sukkah, maybe he's spending the time in this Sukkah because it's protected, but let him make his Eruv here. Okay, and if he makes his Eruv here, he has one meal from the Eruv and one, right, one meal in each direction, right? From where he made the Eruv. Mm-hmm. So every guy in the Sukkah makes his Eruv at the end of him one meal from the Sukkah, right? And can go two meals. So every, so if you make your Eruv at a, a meal away, you can go two meals in one direction. Okay, so therefore he said you can do the whole thing with five, with ten meals, you can cover it with five Sukkot. Because everybody is just moving in one direction and then back to the sukkah. So okay. The guy from the other one can go back. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a minute, but that's not what he's saying. Okay. Um, oh, I see. That's a good point too, but that's not what he's saying. Okay, because it says uh, because he says how you need a roof. According to you, you need a roof. Right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But he's saying that no, everybody goes in one direction, but each guy can go can go two tchumim, four thousand amo, two mil. Okay, I'm a Reb Yossi, so Reb Yossi said, once I came up with this idea that, you know, you can use an Eruv to extend the reach per sukkah, Sachli Elezer Bani, so Elezer, my son, said to me, it's just funny, what Sachli spoke to me, Rashi says almost like in a joking manner, or, um, Eruv, if you want to use an Eruv to sort of ex- extend the reach, I can get you to cover ten meal with two sukkot. How do you do it? Because what you do is, you have, as Michael said, people going in both directions. Not only are people going in direct directions, just get two people in a sukkah. So here's sukkah number, here's sukkah number one, here's sukkah number two, okay? Here's this guy, right? So this person here can go, um, and there are two people in each sukkah, okay? So this guy, guy number, will make this A and B, okay? Guy number one and guy number two. Guy number one makes an A roof over here, okay? So he can, can go to meal this way and start with the guy with the goat and, and you know and, and here's and here's the guy with the goat right so he can get the first two meals this guy can go this way to catch him to, to meet him and then come back this guy can go to makes his error here and goes to and goes to meal that way mm-hmm. okay with me right. then the guy here in B you have also two guys this guy makes his error here and gets to go to meal that way and meets him midway right so that gets you another two meal. And then this guy makes his Eruv here and gets to go two meal. So that's two, that's four, eight. six, eight. Yeah. How do we get ten? Um, 
The, la the last step is just with the... Uh, the last step is by himself. Oh, by hold on. Um, let's think. How did you get ten? Um, a minute. You got to bathe in the Arba. Sukkot Shmiya L'Sof Arba. So we show now. That are getting him getting him to to Milan, right? What? Out of the city. Um, oh, yeah, you, you oh, you're right. Shaitu, Shaitu, right. Shaitu, right. Shaitu, Shaitu. right. The people that accompanied him, right, here's Yerushalayim, thank you, Michael. Here's Yerushalayim, so the people in Yerushalayim made an Arif here, right? So they get to two meals that way, thank you. And then these guys meet up halfway. <coughs> if every so, you got, you guys, so you can do the whole thing with two Sukkot. If you have two people per Sukkot, and everybody is making Arifs in opposite directions. Okay. But that's not actually what happened. He's just saying, hey, we didn't make Aaron. If so, we wouldn't be talking about this. Okay, so the Mar says like this. Kiman Azla, who's it going like? Um, so, it's funny why I quote the bright our Mishnah says it, but anyway, who's it going like? The idea that he, the, he would not be accompanied all the way up to the cliff. Um, he stands at a distance. That's like Rebbe Neir, because according to Rebbe Huda, it would be nine Sukkot and ten meal. He could be accompanied over to the edge. According to Rebbe Yossi, five Sukkot, but with an Eruv, he could be accompanied up to the edge of ten. It's only according to Rebbe Yehuda that there's ten Sukkot and twelve meal that he was not accompanied to the very edge. Okay. At every sukkah they would say to him, there is, you know, um, there's, there's water and food. Um... So Tana, we turn the brighter. Nobody ever actually needed to get the water and the food. Ella, so why did they do it? Famous phrase in the Gemara. Usually it means metaphorically. Here it's almost literal. It's not similar to somebody who has bread in his basket. Somebody who doesn't have bread in his basket. The fact that you know it's available and ready for you means that you're, it, it, it seems like you know, you're less desirous. No, 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 it's okay. I can do without. But all of a sudden somebody tells you it's not available or you're not allowed to have it and then and all of a sudden it's the only it. thing you can focus on is where's, why can't I get some bread and water? I'm starving. I'm thirsty. Where's that, now, where's that phrase uh, um, more famously? Pasta salad? The Gemara uses it in a sexual context yeah. about, for oh, yeah, example, yeah, 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 yeah. why a husband and wife can sleep together in the same room even when the woman is a nida, even yeah. when the wife is a nida. Why aren't we afraid that they'll sin? Because, you know, they can be having sex at a, at a later time. You know, it's just now they can, so it's pasta salad and so on. The Gemara had it before about, about the rabbis that would go to a town and announce who wants to be my yeah, wife for the right, day. Yeah, yeah. You know, the pasta salo. So it does use that. Look, we have in the Torah bread being used as a metaphor yeah, for sex. Right? And so on. Now, the interesting thing here is um, that were, was he actually allowed to eat right, and drink for doing it? Because it, that's the one thing we sort of say, you could violate, you know, Shabbos and Yom Kippur to do it. But is it just the malacha that you can violate of Yom Kippur? It overrides the malacha prohibitions? Or would it even override the eating prohibitions of Yom Kippur? And to what degree are those seen as of one piece? So there actually is some debate in the um, in the uh, Rishonim about whether he actually would be allowed. The Gemara never says one way or the other, but it would be funny to think it would be Pas Basalo if, if we're telling you you can do it, but if you really asked to do it, we would tell you you couldn't. You would think at some stage somebody might, might catch on to that. Okay, but anyway, um, but, that, but that, that is not made explicit in the Gemara whether it 
actually um, whether it actually would be uh, would be allowed. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, one minute. But anyway, it wouldn't be like one minute. Kutra form, right? Not like like you know, it would only be like dechuya, so to speak, like eating yom kippur. Okay, so for example, here's what the Tosus Yishanim says. If you want to see it, it's the bottom of Samachar Meralef, um, two lines from the bottom, or three lines, again, in these microscopic lines. Um, but here's what he says. He says, um, He says, If he would have needed the food, They would have given it to him. So it's a little unclear what the Yishanim is, but Even if um, it would not have been like um, you know uh, pushed. It, it would. It, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I think he's saying. Yeah, it might mean that even if even if by not doing it, it wouldn't have prevented him from pushing off the seir. It's a little unclear what that means, but here he goes on. Ukabayinu kamot Shabbos v'tuma. The same way it overrides Shabbos and Tuma. Presumably, I remember you override Tuma to use the guy you appointed, even though you could use another guy. So I think part of the question is, hey, why don't we just avoid the food problem and go to a closer cliff, right? Why do we allow ourselves to go as far away cliff? Well, once something overrides, you know, it overrides even, it's like Hutra, even if they're, you know, to do it in the ideal so way. The I, anyway, I don't know, it doesn't have to be. The Ivy Hacha, it wasn't the ideal one, certainly. The I, anything closer. The Ivy Hacha Shemisukan, and we're talking here that if he was, if we had to feed him, it would be because, um, it, because he would be in danger, right? To go to Achzobulmis, like he had like this a starvation, uh, this, you know, disease took hold of him, and if he didn't eat, he would die. We don't say Yodeh Shem Yerav Yosef Yachzenu Bulmis Him Salecho, and because he knew that had he gotten to be a point of being in the Sakana, they would let him eat. So then, lo I arise kochach, he wouldn't be so hungry. So there really seems to be almost two contradictory answers. The first answer is, it's like Shabbos and Tuma, it overrides. doesn't matter if it was absolutely necessary, not absolutely necessary. You know, if you wanted to eat it, this thing overrides. The other answer seems to be, no, no, no. It only would have overridden had he gotten himself to the point of being in the Sakana. Then that would have overridden because he's in a sakana. It would have overridden for the sake of the abode. It would have overridden because he got himself into a sakana. So he, although it sort of reads, you can tell the text is not so good there. Like there's a little problem with it. It reads like one answer. It seems like those are two different answers to what degree really we would have allowed somebody to eat for the sake of doing this abode. He seems to have two answers. One answer is yes, even if he wanted to, like to a month. The other answer seems to be no, only if he got to a point of sakana. Why does the word bulmus must be related to Bulimia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes up in a different... Yeah. It must have been like dehydration. Yeah, it comes up in a different Gemara. Okay. So back to our Gemara. Okay. So, Umayya Oseh, Cholik Lashen read. he would take the red string. Vinakti Rekulei Vesela, why do you split the string? Tie it all to a rock. Even the midst of the Seir, since he, the, you know, he has to take care of pushing the goat off the, off the cliff, there's still the mitzvah to be done here, even if it's not ma'akeid. Maybe the, the string, while he's bothering tying it to a rock, would turn white. Interesting, it turns white before he's got the goat off the cliff. So when exactly was that moment that he affected the kaparaz unclear? And he'll be, oh good, we're done, and he'll walk home. He won't bother pushing the goat off the cliff. He'll be settled, right? 
So the Gemara says, okay, do it all between the horns, because the assumption is that if you're tying it on the horns, even if you see it become white, you know, you're involved with the goat, you're going to finish what you're doing. Or Rashi says, maybe because you're in the middle of doing something with the goat, it wouldn't turn white yet, meaning then you wouldn't be finished the avoda, what you're in the middle of. Again, it's pretty funny what moment exactly it would turn white is very unclear. Anyway, but if you're doing it on the goat, maybe that avoids the problem of forgetting about pushing the goat over. No, zimming the gummish Sometimes the goat will bend over its head um, as it's rolling down, and its head will be tucked under its body. Velava um, and you won't be able to uh, see it. You know, right? Velava yeah, often means like you won't notice it, but here it means you won't be. You're try, You know, accidentally you won't notice it, but here it means you won't be able to notice it. And obviously, the whole point is we want to be able to see the symbolism. Uh, I, I do want to point out, by the way, in modern Hebrew, the word gamish means flexible. So it's interesting in terms of modern Hebrew. So yes. Didn't they, didn't they apply the, uh, the, 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 the They'd have, you know, because everybody else wants to know the symbolism. What do we care about this one guy? Everybody else is in the base of Mikdash. They put it by the doorway of the Ulam, right? The, the hall leading into the Heichel. Mibachutz, on the outside of the doorway. Hiobin, which turned red. Hayusmechim, everybody would be happy. Lo, Hiobin, didn't turn red. Hayuatsevim, everybody would be just, uh, red, just would be sad. I'm sorry, did I say white? It turned white, thank you. If it turned white, everybody, did I say that wrong before as well? Okay, go back, fine. Go back and correct what I said before. Okay, it's about it turning white. It starts red, fine. So anyway, so, so if it would turn white, Hayusmechim, everybody would be happy. Lo, Hiobin, it didn't turn white. Hayuatsevim, everybody would be sad. Not only would you be sad, they'd be embarrassed, like a public <laughs> statement that they're not forgiven. They'd be ashamed. Thank you. They established you. They would do it on the inside of the door. So, you know, maybe the Kohanim would see, some people would see, but it wouldn't get out to the people. You know, they would still peek through and see it. Yeah. So, you know, again, you wonder, like, the door was, was it open? Was it closed? You know, I mean, presumably it was open, right? Says we said before that you know you yeah, need order to shach the woman, you need a pesach moed, you need the doors to be open. Presumably they stayed open. So exactly where was it put that you was hard to see, but you could peek and you could see it? I don't know. But anyway, it turned color theoretically when he pushed it off. The well, it's not clear. Before we talked about turning color, before he pushed it off, yeah. some point in the stage it would turn color. If it would, maybe if they weren't getting a kapara that year, it wouldn't. And that's what I said. Well, it could right. be it didn't exactly. turn color at all. Right. I I have no idea. Okay. Um, okay. So they so Vadayan they would peek through and see it. He'll be Nayusmechim, if it would be turned white, they'd be rejoiced. Lo he'll be Nayuasavim, if not they'd be sad. Hitkinu, notice by the way, this time it didn't say they wouldn't be ashamed because it wouldn't be as public. Okay? So maybe they could be sad without being ashamed. Hitkinu shu koshrim oso. So they so then they start said, said forget doing it in pub you know, where people can see. Tie do it on the goat. Half on the rock, half on the on the horns. He'll, the guy will come back maybe and he'll tell the people. So it's again quite fascinating. This assumption that you have this 
you have to have this red spring, you get nowhere in the Torah, obviously it's based on the Pasuk in you, Hataechem Kashanin Kashela Yabinu, but that's, you know, a metaphor, the assumption that they would do it, and they had to find the right place to do it, but it's taken for granted that you're going to do something with this spring, look, there's a miracle, clearly you're doing the right thing, but what gave them the idea to start with it, anyway, and once you're doing it on the goat, what's the point, that this one guy knows, so he's, maybe he's he'll, he'll come back and he'll report, you know, maybe they it's actually... The I know. I don't know what to say about that. It's quite funny. Okay. Go so, is tied to the rock? No. A rock is nearby. Just a place no, to wait, put so, down the string so, so you can... some have, string is tied to the goat and some... Yes. Yes, that's what it said. He cut it. Look, maybe he'd bring the string yes, back right. and he'd say, look, you know, it turned white. At least afterwards everybody would be happy. And if it didn't turn white, he would say, yeah, I, I lost, lost it. it. Right. <laughs> so we have, we have a, a verse from Navi yes. being used to justify a biblical yeah. malacha right. being done in Yom Kippur. I don't know if it's a malacha. Why is it a malacha? It's on the head Here, of the goat. Harry. Oh, yeah, I was talking about that. If it's, if, 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 if it's a string, tearing korea is a, a malacha by like a fabric. If it's something like that's hard, and the question exactly which category you put something in, it would be mechatech. And mechatech was only a problem if it's like at an exact size. So this would not be to an exact size. So it could be that it's not actual. But you know, also the goat, the goat is carrying on its body. So yeah. it's a type of mechamer using an animal to do malacha. It, you're right. It's not at all partial where they got, where, where this whole thing came from. That's a funny thing because the fabric is straight. No, but well, the fabric is the thing itself is not is not woven. No, I, right. I okay. Anyway, um okay. Um Rabbilyezakfarbishonayukim. So he says the same thing. Originally they did it on the doorway of the Ulam on the inside. No, so here he's not saying originally on the outside. Maybe he's talking maybe he they're agreeing he's just talking about this middle stage period. Okay, maybe he says it was never on the outside, it was always on the inside, but that's point number one. Originally it was on the inside of the doorway. So now remember we talked about it turning white when it was near the cliff, off the cliff. Here it says as soon as it got to the wilderness. Okay, Viadush Mitvaso and they would know the mitzvah was done. Not they would know they were atoned for it. They knew the mitzvah was done. The point I was saying before. When is the mitzvah done and does it correspond with when, you know, the, uh, the, when it's effective and the achievement of atonement? There was the discussion in the Mishnah, when did the garments become tameh, which presumably is when the, related to the issue of when the mitzvah, when the mitzvah was done. And the uh, Tanakhama said the walls of Yerushalayim and Reb Shimon said when it goes over the cliff. So here, if the, the, if the consensus or the standard opinion was the walls of Yerushalayim, it's consistent with what we're saying here, that when it left the walls of Yerushalayim, the mitzvah was done, and that's when it turned white. So that actually, um, you know, even, so that the, it basically was done as soon as it left Yerushalayim, the going over the cliff, that was just finishing it up. But it basically was done then. Maybe that's when the garments became tamay. That's when the thing turned white. But I still want to point out, even saying that, does not mean that Bidyevid that was necessary. We said before that Bidyevid at most which was necessary was doing the Vidui. Sagral the Vidui. So you could say, you know, yes, Bidyevid, you actually are Yotse much earlier. But even the next stage of saying you did the mitzvah in the ideal way, you know, even that is just getting out of Yerushalayim. And then going over the cliff is just what? Wrapping it up or something. So it's quite fascinating, these stages. We all focus on that last stage of going over the cliff. Right? Is it clear what I'm, ta- what I'm saying here? There are like three stages, right? Here you are doing the drawing the lots. 
you know, la'agazel, right? And then doing the vidui, right? Whatever, here he's standing doing the vidui on it, okay? At this stage, if it were to drop dead, you'd have been yotze. You would have done the avoda. Maybe we're not. I don't know. Would it have achieved kapara? I don't know. But would you have done the avoda of Yom Kippur? Yes. Then you go outside of Yerushalayim, right? This is Yerushalayim. You leave Yerushalayim, and then we're saying not state mitzvato. So, which is a, a stage beyond yotze. At this stage, you're yotze. Okay. You're at least to the avoda here. The mitzvah of the seir was fully done, meaning it's, this, this is the question of when does it prevent you from fulfilling the whole avodas yom kippur? If something happens earlier here, you got to you know start the whole avoda again. But that doesn't mean you're done with the seir. Leaving Yerushalayim, you've done the mitzvah of the seir. The string becomes white, the garments become tamei, and going over the cliff, you know that's like just wrapping things up. So there really are three stages: what's needed to be yotze the whole avodas yom kippur when the upload of this year is considered to be done and then actually going over the cliff is actually a third stage. Well, yes. that's the way the because all the Sukim say is that Shishilach so right so Michael is correct in saying that and we're going to look at that in a minute which is saying when you leave your Shalayim your Yotze is not a big finish because the whole idea of going over a cliff forget the red string the whole idea of going over a cliff isn't in the Tzuch right so so we will see so that's actually so that really explains why the assumption here again that the Gadim become Tamei you've done the Mitzvah it would turn white all those things could happen as soon as it left that being seen as the primary mitzvah. It would not get to halfway down the mountain before it would shatter. They asked the question, After shattered, what would be the story? Could you derive benefit from those limbs? Because it basically is something that was sanctified, right? And we say that, but it was not this mitzvah, so the mitzvah was done with it. So maybe there's no longer a, you can now derive benefit. We, we had also said <coughs> right. Yeah, that that literal not. Okay, Rav Shmuel Chad Amar Mutarin. One the date of Rav Shmuel. One says for Mitzvah. Chad Amar Sudin. One says for Bedimanda. One Mutarin. One says for Mitzvah. Chesed Bamibah is wilderness. So the same way Midbar has a sense of like open to anybody, no restrictions, whatever. So here too, it's free of any restrictions. Umandama Asurin, the one that says it's forbidden to see Gizera, the land of Gizera, the hard land, the land of or sometimes edict, cutting. It's a sense of limits, restrictions. If you say it's forbidden, what do you do with the sense of Bani Bar? I don't know why you can't just say it means literally <laughs> send it into the wilderness. Like we've done the So maybe part of the issue is it says so many times wilderness. Why does it have to say it so many times in the Psukim? It says multiple times send it into the wilderness. That not only do you do it in the, when you're in the Mishkan, you do it wherever the Mishkan moves and when it becomes a permanent, a temple. So whether you have the Mishkan in Novin Giva and whether you had it in Shiloh and whether finally when it was established on Harbayat. So the repetition says you do this ritual in all of those places. Again, fascinating why you need a specific way of including it here. How about the rest of the Avodah of Yom Kippur? Where's the Pesukim to tell me you do those? We did have a discussion before, if you remember, by some aspects of the Yom Kippur to tell me it applies also in the, you know, in the, also in the Mikdash, also in the other locations. Okay, but it, one interesting whether maybe this would be seen as somewhat different, yeah. uh, particularly because they're not here traveling in the wilderness. 
they are in a settled land. So if you're in a settled land, the same significance of sending something to the wilderness might be different. No, one, one minute, one minute. Okay? So the Gemara says, If you say it's permissible, what do you do with the language which suggests restrictions? So to teach me what we taught in the Bryce of Gzeira means cut, right? That is literally what it means, which means that it has to be like a sheer cliff. Like the cliff is cut, not like an angled slope, a sheer cliff. Okay, and that's, by the way, is where we get the idea of pushing it off a cliff from this word Gzeira. Okay, again, it's a, you know, it's well, not the shot of the cliff. Yeah, right, but it's read as push it off. Let's keep on reading. Something that gets chopped up, the array, and goes down. So when it's pushed off the cliff, it gets, it gets broken into pieces. This is quite fascinating. You'll say, this is all foolish. Sending something to the Azazel? Sending something over a cliff? What type of uh, service of God is this? What's the meaning of this? You'll say it's all foolishness. It's, it says, I am God, right? I Hashem have decreed, decreed this. You cannot, you have no reason, you have no permissible. Okay, that, um, it's so this is not, it's a different puzzle, not from this. Okay, but it's a general puzzle. We're going to make the drasha that sometimes we have, you know, uh, edicts. We have uh, mitzvot that are not cannot be explained so rationally, called chok, right? And so you know, and so what? This shows your obedience to me, even if it doesn't make sense. You do it anyway, and that's part of hinted in the word gezera. It's a gezera. You do it. I don't care. It doesn't make sense. You think it's crazy, asazel, the cliff, whatever. This is what you do. But halachically, besides that sort of religious point, halachically, what we learn from gezera is this point that the psukim only talk about sending it to the medar. We just said that you know, according to um, some opinions, your yod say the mitzvah once it goes into the midbar. But from gezera we learned the idea of sending it over some craggy cliff. Yes, uh, Charlie. Uh, back to the opinion that they were prohibited, there are three, um, they, they mentioned three locations. There were actually four locations because Mishkan was a Gilgal for a few years after we entered the land. Yeah. So presumably that was in the, presumably it's the Yardin Valley yeah. and therefore there wasn't a cliff to do this. Particular. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's a good insight. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's why I wasn't mentioned. Although you, you could, I guess, eventually. But that uh, that also implies that Hashem knew that the that the Mishkan of Shiloh was going to get destroyed. All right, moving on. I, yeah, let's go on. Okay, Amar Rava said Rava Mistava commands Amar Mutarim. It makes sense the opinions that says it's permissible. The the whims. Well, Amar Torah Shalach Takala. The Torah does not say send it into the wilderness if it will lead to stumbling. If it remains forbidden, you know, you have dead animal parts there, somebody's going to come along and take it, not realize, again, I don't know why they wouldn't realize, presumably it was always the same cliff, but anyway, you know, but therefore, you, if it's lying there, presumably it has to be okay. You don't want people to misuse it. That phrase is more used by sending away the bird, you know, by the ritual yeah. of the Mitzorah, because there, you send away the bird, is that bird Oster Bahanal? Let's say the bird, you know, a year later flies into my yard. How am I going to know? No, the Torah would never say send it away that it would lead to stumbling. So there, it makes a little more sense because you would not know. But anyway, that's his position here as well. Tanarabanan, Azazel. What does Azazel mean? And again, this, we're going to learn from these words some of this idea of the cliff. Shehei Az, it should be strong, the and hard. So again, this idea of going over like a hard cliff. Yachob um, Yishuv, maybe you do it 
you know, in set in like in you know settled territory. That's quite clear in the sukkim in the wilderness in the unsettled territory. Territory. How do you know that tzuk? How do you know you do it over a cliff, not just a hard land, but an actual cliff? which as we said meant like cut, so something cut down the sheer of a cliff. Tiny Edok, we turn another brisa. Azazel, Shebaharim, it has to be a hard mountain. Okay, the word ale means hard. The strong ones of the land he took. So ale not so the word ale means like it has to be, you know, hard and strong. Time to be Rabbi Ishmael. Azazel, what does that mean? Shemachaper Almaste Uza the Azael. It atones for the sin of Uza and Azael. Who are Uza and Azael? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says about ten lines down in the in the narrow lines, Malachi Chavala, angels of destruction, Shayardu la Arat Bimei Naama Achos Tuvakayin, the Aleim Nenmer VeYerubde Elohim Epenot Hadam. These were the angels of destruction who were taking uh, the uh, human, you know, the uh, uh, women and, uh, and and raping them. Kolomer Al Harayot Mechaper. So Rashi says, Oh, well, it means it atones for the sin of sexual sexual sins. Of course. I, you know, I didn't think it was going there. It's almost like it's quoting this, you know, this type of, the whole idea of Azazel seems, you know, very uh, mythic and quoting this mythic story, you know, about B'nai Elohim, you know, maybe you're thinking it's something being played out at that sort of, you know, mythic plane, like some, you know, some type of drama. But Rafi brings it back down to earth to talk about, uh, about Arayot. Tanur Abanan, yes, Tanur Et This is what we referred to before. Okay, this is a pasuk from from that area by um, by in Kedoshim, but not right there in Achrayimos. Okay, do my edicts. So what? What are mishpatim laws? So those are rational laws. These are things that even had they not been written, it would have made sense for them to be written. These are rational laws you could have, you know, that, that anybody would have, would have, you know, would have, would have have in a legal system. For example, the Elohim avodas kochavim, idolatry, well, that's a rational law in a religious system that believes in one God. The arayot, sexual sins, the prohibitions, the and murder. The gezel and sex. And cursing God. Notice, by the way, that every single one of those is what? Shem Mitzvah Bnei Noah. So this, by the way, is important because um, yes, the Mitzvah Shichlios is how it's talked about by the medieval philosophers. But it's important because, according to some philosophers, particularly Mendelssohn, wants to see in the Shem Mitzvah Bnei Noah a type of natural law, yeah. not something that needed to be revealed. Well, Ramam disagreed. Ramam emphasized that somebody only has the status of observing Shev Mitzvah B'nai Noah, a non-Jew, it only gives him his unique special status if he does it because he believes in it as revealed law. Okay, but, but you know, Mendelssohn was very upset about that Rambam. Anyway, so anyway, but, um, but here the Gemara really is taking, the ones that list are explicitly, are almost all of the Shev Mitzvahs and lists them as things that would have been, you this, could have figured out by yourself. This by seems the to way, be more on the, with Right, well that was my point. Yeah. On the side, by the way, you'll see that it refers to a Rambam in Shimon Prakim that does not include Gilo Yarayos in the um, in the 
in the mishpatim included in the chukim? And that's an interesting question. What type of gilu? Are we talking about adultery? Are we talking about incest? Are we talking about nida? So, you know, which ones you're talking about might also determine whether you put it in the rational laws or in the more, in the chukim, the more edicts and arbitrary laws. Okay? One, no, one minute. Um, okay. As chukosait yushmeru, now my chukot, my edicts, that's not the rational laws. That's the Ram Shastat and Meshivalayan. Those are things that the Satan would, would uh, you know, or your own Yetzirah would basically have what to respond, would critique them and say, well, well these are nonsense or these are arbitrary. They don't make any, you know, they're not rational. The Eluhain, these are they, Achil of Chazir, you know, forbidden foods, pork, the Levisha Shatnez, wearing Shatnez, what's the big deal? You know, things woven together. The Chalitzas Yivama, and doing the Chalitza for Yivam, interesting, he doesn't say the Yivam for Yivama, right? Because, you know, anyway, so if you look, if you look at the Psukim, right, you get by the whole thing, Yehuda and Tamar, it sounds like that was actually something going on in the ancient world. Maybe it's freeing you from it and doing the Chalitza, or why or the act of Chalitza is what is, is what is significant. The Taras Mitzora, the purification of the Mitzora, this whole thing with the birds, right, seems very hocus-pocusy. The Siyamitzorea, again, Korbano, we get! Ancient world, Korbano, is certainly a meaningful religious practice, but what is this? Azazel over a cliff? The Shemitomer Masa Tohein, this is what we brought it before, lest you say, this is all foolishness. I am God, I am God, this is Mishvotai Tasu, the Chukotai Tishmeru, Ani Hashem, I am the one that made this cloak, and therefore show your obedience. This is not something that, that I'm going to justify to you. By the way, Ra- Rambam does have a very important difference between the issues of Chok and Mishpatim, because he's dealing with the famous Gemara that says it is better to say, don't say I don't want to sin, say I want to sin, but what should I do? God has told me not to. But he says, but that's against what the philosophers say. The philosophers say it's better to internalize an ethics rather than to do it at, at external meaning you, you should better say I don't want to steal I don't want to murder that's actually a higher ethical claim than saying I want to steal but I'm not going to do it because the law is against it so the Rambam has his way to to be miyashev the philosophers and the rabbis and he says it depends are we talking about rational laws or are we talking about these chukin the rational laws are things that reflect values and character traits that you're supposed to internalize the chukin underscore obedience so those, if you want to eat chazer and you don't do it because God said so, that's actually the ideal because those actually underscore obedience. Just going to finish to the Mishnah. When does it cause the garments to become tamei? The guy with the goat gets tamei, but not the people that are accompanying him. Right? The people that get, went from sukkah to sukkah. I don't know, because they're associated. Maybe from the time you left the temple courtyard. The one who sends it, so you have to already be sending into the wilderness. You have to be in the wilderness. Anyway, until you get to the cliff. And the one that sends means when you begin the process of sending, once you get to the wilderness. How does this work? As long as you leave your Shalayim, you're in the, you've already gotten it out and you're towards the wilderness. He juxtaposes the word, the hard land, and you cleanse your clothes. And Azazel, we learned, it associates it with the cliff. So it only becomes Tamei when you get to the cliff. So the one who sends it to cleanse clothes. 
So he says, you actually, it's not just getting to the cliff, you push it over, and then it becomes Tameh, only when it actually goes but over the Lazazel, what, I don't know, Zarko, I don't know. So somehow you push it over, and then, and, and, and it's only there, it's not just getting to the cliff. Okay. And when, and please clear out.